see. I have a book here. We start tomorrow, a thing called Grow Tribes. We're going through this book Stephen Wendy wrote called Igniting Faith in 40 Days. And Steve was just here. How many got to hear Steve at least once? Steve carries hope. Hope is the soil that faith grows in. I'll be saying some of the things he said just to remind us. But he does bring that gift of faith and belief and hope that changes the atmosphere. And so we're going to be going through this as a church. We actually start tomorrow, the 20th of our first day. And I'm real excited about it. And this afternoon at 5 o'clock, we're going to gather over at our property, at our building site. And uh, we're going to gather and pray. I'll talk more about that at the end of the service. And we're actually, they're going to pour the final slab tomorrow. Say hallelujah. It's been really beautiful. I was out to the Daniel on Thursday or Wednesday, I can't remember. And they were going to pour earlier, but the way the weather's been holding off, the electricians have been able to do more of the work underneath the slab instead of coming up through the walls and down, which saves money and, uh, and saves time in the long run. And so because the weather's been so cooperative with us, how many know Jesus is behind that too? We put off the pour until we get more of the stuff in the concrete so it saves us money. So anyway, Monday. So tonight we're going to go out there. We're going to actually have a fire. People can have some mores, but we're going to pray. We're going to dedicate the property. We ask for provision to finish this first project. I'll talk about that too. I feel called to take a ring, two wedding rings, and put it in the concrete. So we're going to dedicate that property that we're the bride of Christ and we're making ourselves ready for the groom to come, as well as I'm declaring that marriages and families are going to be strong at Northgate. And so we're going to do that tonight and put another Bible. We already have a Bible in the footing, but now we're going to put one on the slab just to get the double blessing of the word of the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. All right, we're going to start out with some declarations here that's in the first chapter. Unfortunately, we are out of these books. We have more on order. If you want to go to Amazon, I don't know if you know this, but if you go on Smile Amazon, you can actually choose what charity you want. What is it, 1%, 1.5%? Do you know how much of it? 1%, 1.5% goes to that charity. So whatever you purchase on Amazon, you can actually put Northgate, Alaska, and Amazon will help build our building. That everything you buy on Amazon, if you put, get it on Smile Amazon, put Northgate, Alaska in the charity, Amazon's going to help build our building. And so, just so you're aware of that. So you can go on Amazon and order this book. How many of you know that declarations invite heaven's strength into your life? One of you knows this. Job's 22, verse 28 says, You shall declare a matter, and it shall be established, and the light of heaven will be upon your ways. Your words create the world you live in. What you declare, what you believe, the Bible says we declare what is that is not. We declare into being what is not. And then we're going to talk more about that. But I want to make these declarations with you in the first chapter. I say this after me. I am who the Bible says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I increasingly possess, in my experience, the promises of God. Let's say that again. I increasingly possess, in my experience, the promises of God. 
Well, this, this morning we're going to start a six-week series on uh, what we're titling Outrageous Faith. How many of you know that faith is important to a believer? It actually is in the Word, isn't it? Believer is a person who's filled with faith. And we know from the Scriptures that without faith, we cannot please God. And so it must be critical to us that we're a people that value faith and are growing in faith. Because apart from faith... We can't please him. And so we're going to be talking about faith a lot. And I, I want to just say this, that faith actually changes circumstances in life. Faith actually believes and then sees. Faith is not seeing and then believing. Faith believes and then sees. And, and so often uh, we get caught up in the, well, I'll see it. When I believe it, and the Lord says, no, that doesn't work that way. You believe it, and then you'll see it. You declare it, and you, then you'll experience it. And faith is actually something that you haven't, you expressed, but you haven't seen something that you've hoped for. And so faith is something that pleases God. If everything that I do apart from faith has no long-term benefit. And so faith is really important to us. And Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, finish it out, and hearing by the word of God. We know earlier in the scriptures, it says man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. It's active tense, which is it's coming out of his mouth. How many of you know that God has said things and he's saying things? How many of you know that God has said things and he's saying things? And so it's so important that we feed ourselves on what he said because what he's saying will never contradict this, amen? But it will give specific faith drops into your life. You need both. It's like like the track and the engine. The track of the train is the word of God, the written word of God. The engine is... The spoken word of God. What he's saying to you. And one runs on the other. You, this engine, if, it, if it's not grounded in the word of God, it will go off. I've been in many conversations with people. and say, I feel like God is saying. And it will totally contradict the word of God. And I'm going, that's not God's voice. That's not God's voice. That's some other voice you're listening to. God's voice will never contradict the written word of God. So you're in relationship. Say, I am in relationship. With a living God. And he's talking to me. Because he loves me. So the word of God is so critical. I want to just look at a couple verses here. Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. Make this declaration. I am never in the dark. Why? Because your word, the word of God keeps you the light. Psalm 1830, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Say this out loud. By trusting in your word, I step into your protection. One of the statements that I probably will say and reiterate more and more again is something that just as I was studying this week and before the Lord, he, he just said, religious believers 
See my commandments as rules. But loving believers see my commandments as promises. Religious believers see my commandments as rules. Loving believers see my commandments as promises. Jesus said, those who love me will keep my commandments. It's it's the heart of love that keeps his commandments, not because we have to, but because there's a promise attached to all his commandments of what? Abundant life. Say abundant life. And so, as we're going through here, one of the things that we're going to be talking about, the Word of God, keeping His commandments, staying in that place where God gives us direction, and we don't see those directions as rules that we have to follow, but invitations into promises of abundance. First John, it says, His commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are burdensome because He's won our affections, and we trust Him totally. So the definition of faith is found in Hebrews 11.1. Most of you could probably quote it. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. for Hope is the soil that faith grows in. If you don't have hope, Steve said this, faith gets really wacky. It comes from this attitude that's within you that good is coming. I love the definition of hope that he uses and and Bill uses, Chris uses. Biblical hope is a joyful and confident expectation that good is coming based on the goodness of God and his promises. Let me just say this real quick. For many in this room, your victory starts coming when your problems are smaller than the bigness of your God. When your perception of your problems are small compared to to the bigness of God you hope in. Does that make sense? And, and Steve says these things. I'm going to reiterate some of these things because I feel like we've got to let it get into us. There is no hopeless situation. Say that. Because I'm filled with hope. The Lord invites us into this realm. He says all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. He builds this atmosphere. There is no limits upon God. Nothing is impossible. And then he gives you the way to access that reality. All things are possible to those who believe. So what we have to work on is our believers. And this is what Steve did so well. He talked about how the Lord told him, start declaring out loud, Steve, start declaring this. I am influencing the nations of the earth. And Steve said, but Lord, I'm not. How can I say something that's not true? And he said, do you want to influence the nations of the earth? Yes, Lord. Steve said, I do. Then start saying it. He said, you're a great man of facts, Steve. I want you to become a great man of faith. Turn to your neighbor. You're a great person of faith. We believe and then we see. Right now, if you don't know this, Steve and Wendy, when that interaction happened with Steve, he was in a small church in rural part of Nevada, a church of about 60 people. He had no appointments in his nations of the planet. His church was so small, they didn't have any missions program. And so when the Lord said, start declaring your influence to the nations of the earth, he was not. But the Lord said, do you want to? Faith says... I'm going to do it. Say, I'm going to do it. 
faith believes God, and faith believes God is a rewarder. We have the best dad in the whole universe, and if you're a parent, this journey of parenting is quite a journey. I've been on it with four kids, and, and now they're married, so I consider I have eight kids, and, uh, and we just had our ninth grandchild. So parenting children at home is different than being a parent of an adult child. It's a whole different ballgame. You have to learn a whole new set of rules. And, uh, and it's kind of an interesting journey, fun journey, hard journey. All of, parenting is fun. Say it out loud. I have to convince you of that sometimes, I know. One day I was having, uh, Tanner and I were button heads. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't think Tanner and I would ever butt heads, would you? Tanner was our strongest willed child. At about six, seven years old, we were in Anchorage, the whole group of us, Brenda and I and our four children, and Tanner and I were button heads. I won't even go into the issue, but it was like he wasn't getting it, and he was causing discord in our family unit. And I was in this process of really understanding and trying to learn the reality of grace and mercy and knowing that grace, one of the definitions of grace is unmerited favor. In other words, you didn't earn it. God just gave it to you. That's what the cross was for you, Uh, eternal life. And then mercy is not giving you what you deserve. And right then, Tanner deserved a whack. And so I'm in that place, and I'm kind of in, in quandary. He said, Lord, like, what, can I, what should I do? Because I was kind of frustrated. And, and the Lord said, demonstrate grace. Don't give it, I mean, demonstrate mercy and grace. Uh, okay, so what should I do? And so he gave me this thought. Tanner loved briar horses. It was a collect, collect, he had a collection, small collection. He loved briar horses. And so I said, Brenda, I want to take, I'm going to take Tanner, if I remember correctly. I'm going to take Tanner, and I want to go to Classic Toys. So I take Tanner to Classic Toys, and I said, hey, Tanner, um, I want you to pick out a briar horse. I'm going to buy it for you and give it to you. And he looks at me like, why, Dad? And I said, I'll tell you afterwards. Let's just go pick out one. So he goes out, and he picks his briar horse, and he's smiling, and we go out to the car, and we sit down, and uh, I said, Tanner, you and I haven't been getting along. Do you think, do you think you deserve that briar's horse? He says, nope. So why do you think I gave it to you? I don't know, Dad. I said, I want to tell you what grace is. Grace is giving us something we don't deserve. That's the cross. That's the eternal life, the gift of life everlasting. Mercy is not giving you what you, deserve, you do deserve. And I, I want you to trust my heart. I want you to trust my heart when I give you direction. It's not because I'm mean. This is one of Tanner's favorite memes. You're being mean. That was one of his favorite Tanner. How, how I raised Clay didn't work. But how I raised Tanner Totally different ballgame. How, how many parents have experienced that? What worked for Clay did not work for Tanner. But that started a road. That picture, that word picture, that expression started a road of him trusting my heart. And I want to look at Psalm 112, 1 through 3, because the Lord wants to bless us way more than we know he wants to bless us as God's people. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. 
His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Command will be blessed. Wealth, everybody say wealth. And riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. One of the things that I want to do this morning, and it's, it's really in a spiritual realm over my life and your life, is break off the poverty mindset. As I go through the scriptures, I'm going to tell you my journey with money. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I was in business management college direction. And God radically saved me. I was 21. And during that radical salvation, I made some decisions that or made some really good decisions and some bad ones. And one of the bad ones was this. I said, money will never be important to me. Now, that was not an outward expression. I didn't say it out loud. I said it in my mind and my heart because I saw money at that point as taking me off course. Business management was my direction. But I misinterpreted what money was for. Money is a tool actually to expand the kingdom of God on the earth. And as I go through the scriptures more and more and more, I see that God wants to bless his people with wealth, not to make them feel comfortable necessarily in the possessions on the earth, but to express his love and extend his kingdom. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to have wealth. Not so, uh, this world is so good, even though It can be part of the story. More importantly, so that you're investing in eternity and changing people's lives. We're called by God to actually rule and reign with him on this earth. Subdue, the commission was subdue, rule, and reign. We're supposed to bring the resources of his world into this world and make the planet earth like that world. How many of you know in the way the natural things have been set up, we need resources to do that? How many of you know that money is a resource and money in itself is not evil? So I realized in the past probably five years, and God is still working on me, breaking off the poverty mindset. If you want poverty mindset broken off you, could you stand right now before the Lord? Okay, all over this room, Father. Father, we have believed the wrong things about money, about prosperity, about resources you want to put in our lives so that we can steward them for your purposes. And some of us are struggling. Businesses in this room are struggling. And I don't believe it's a process problem. I believe it's a believing problem. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to agreement that you will break off a poverty mindset and Help us to receive the revelation that we're princes in a kingdom that's not limited. And that we are called by God to bring your resources, whether that be money or Holy Spirit. We are to bring your resources on the planet Earth to make this earth like heaven. And so, Lord, there's breakthrough in the room for people right now who are struggling to make this month's payments. I cancel the assignment of poverty over them right now. It's not your heart. It's not your plan. For businesses that are struggling, right now, I speak strategies from heaven. Strategies from heaven. 
In fact, I think everybody could stand because I know some people have already captured this heart of God. But I want to come into agreement that Northgate, Alaska, there was a word given by Shara when she was here, a prophetic voice. She said, Northgate is going to break off the poverty mindset over the valley. Can anybody here say, yes, Lord? Father, we stand as a family, and we know that you have resources that are unlimited, and we want to see this valley uh, met with the goodness of God through resources. We want to see hearts healed, families made whole, businesses succeed, not just for the sake of the valley, but the sake that we can influence the planet of the earth. And so we come to agreement, Lord, release faith to believe the right things about money, about our businesses, about the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five and say, we're doing this thing. Psalm 67 says this. Psalm 67 says this. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Look at this again. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all of the earth shall fear him. That fear him is not to be afraid and run away from him. It actually is the fear that I was trying to establish in Tanner's heart. It's a reverence, it's a respect, it's a, a, a desire to, for people to run to him. And so this is, this is the heart of God, is he, he wants us to be blessed. Now, I'm going to start talking about money. I'm moving from faith and how faith impacts money. I'm going to talk about your money. And I'm going to talk about my money. And it makes me nervous a little bit. Uh, because there's a whole lot of negative narratives out there about the church just wanting your money. The truth of the matter is, I don't want your money. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. And, uh, and, and that's why I'm going to talk about money. There's this kind of a funny joke here. A very old, rich man in declining health finally gets serious about his eternal state. He goes to the local pastor and asks what he can do to account for the fact that he's never given God much time or given the church a dime. The pastor just looks at him with that knowing expression like, well, it's about time you got around to this. Convicted, the old miser finally says, okay, how about if I give the church every cent I've got? Will that do it? Will that guarantee I'll go to heaven when I die? If I give all that I have, all my fortune to you, Pastor paused for a moment, and he says, well, it's worth a try. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to say right now, I don't believe in a prosperity gospel that's all about blessing a pastor or an evangelist. If you give them $1,000, he's going to give you this, God's going to give you this. Don't be manipulated by any of that. My word, my baloney. I'm not going to say crap because that's not accepted in church. Baloney. <laughs> Don't be manipulated by that. But let the word of God speak truth that you give by faith. There's a difference 
of giving because you want to please God or giving because God's pleased with you. There's a difference between giving with faith and giving out of duty. And, and so the title of this series is Outrageous Faith. And this message that I want to talk about here this morning is titled Prosperity with a Purpose. Prosperity with a Purpose. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord from your wealth or from your wealth, and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. When I first became a believer, I was 21, and I had, I had a pretty decent paying summer job. I went to college in the fall and winter time, and, and had a pretty decent um, pay. And I was taking Brenda out. She was my girlfriend. Um, and, and I was going to church with her for the first time. I became born again, and uh, I'm in church, and they start teaching about the tithe and those kind of things. And, and I'm going, tithe means 10%, literally means 10%. And I'm thinking in my rational mind, I'm going, you, gotta be ser- you can't be serious. I'm supposed to give 10% to God? I mean, that can't, how can that be? And, uh, and I'm seeing the joy of that family, and I see they, that's what they believe. And so... Okay, I'll try it out. If I have 10% left at the end of the month of what I need, I'll give it to God. And uh, how many of you know it doesn't work that way? I tried that, and I got the end of the month, there was no 10% left. And, uh, and then and the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, are you going to give by faith or not? So faith believes to see. And I said, okay, I'll try it, see what happens. So I wrote the 10% check. When I got my check, and wouldn't you know, I got through the month fine and had plenty left over. It's the way it works in finances. It's it's the way it works. It's the way the kingdom works, to honor the Lord from your first fruits. Why? Because he wants to bless you. He wants to fill your barns with plenty. He wants to overflow you. How many of you know that our God is a God of more than enough? You see it throughout the scriptures. You know, why didn't he just feed the 5,000 and the wives and the children with just enough? He had two fish, five loaves, feeding 5,000. He feeds all of them. He says, pick up the remnants. What's he trying to show us? I'm a God of more than enough. I have plenty. You have to believe me and trust me. Say more than enough. God is a God of... More than enough. And he wants to bless his people. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. What, what is he saying? He's saying, don't mock God by not believing him that when you sow, he's not going to make up the difference and more. It's a hardened heart of unbelief that doesn't believe he's going to make up the difference and bring more. It actually mocks him. Say, I'm not mocking God. <laughs> Proverbs 10, says, It is the blessed Lord that, that makes rich, and he adds, no, he adds no sorrow to it. There's quite a tension in the, in the Proverbs about wealth because there's several scriptures that talk about pursue wisdom and his righteousness and wealth will be added to you. 
But there's another scripture that says very clearly, don't pursue wealth, it'll fly away from you and sorrows will be added to your life. Let me say this again. There's a tension in Proverbs. He says, pursue wisdom and righteousness and wealth will be added to you. But as soon as your heart turns and you start pursuing wealth, sorrow will be added and it will fly away from you. And we know plenty of people, there's plenty of testimonies out there of wealthy people committing suicide. We have plenty of testimonies of people who have pursued the things of this world and, and have ended up empty and, and disillusioned and commit suicide. We have examples almost every month. And it's because what they're pursuing is temporal. And God is saying, my people don't think temporally, they think eternally. And so you pursue wisdom and righteousness that your lives reflect his glory and says, okay, I'm going to release wealth to them so they can shape history. I love how Bill Johnson says, God is looking for people who loves not the world to steward the wealth of the world. To steward the wealth of the world. And so here, here is the challenge for us is how do we handle our wealth? How do we handle what we do have? He who is faithful with little is faithful with much. How do we fa- are we faithful with the little? See, Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The context of this, you guys know, is the context... <clears throat> Of, of them being worried about tomorrow's food, about clothing, about a place to rest their head. And, and the Lord, of course, compares God taking care of the sparrow and taking care of the grass of the fields and says, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Don't you see? The Father, you can trust Him. I'll take care of you. All these things will be added to you. But get your perspective correct. Go after the kingdom. Go after the kingdom. And then he ends up in that whole thing, O you of little faith. That's how he ends that whole, O you of little faith. Because we're pursuing temporal things instead of eternal things because we are no longer of this world. We've been captured out of the temporal and stepped into the eternal. We, we walk and operate by a whole other realm of laws, the laws of the kingdom of God which are superior to the laws of nature. That's why the possibilities for the church, if we get the right mindset and have the right uh, heart, and he's going to release strategies to transfer the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous. This is throughout the scriptures. That's a good word right there. The kingdom of God. Let's just say this. Just grab a hold of this real quick. The kingdom of God is wherever a believer, because the Lord has given the earth to man. So he's partnering with mankind. He could come and rule right now. But he's waiting because he wants more people to know him. So the, steward, the church needs resources to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ so more people will know him before he comes. Because when he comes, it's done. And those who don't know Jesus are lost forever. And he wishes that none perish. So the kingdom is established on the earth wherever believers believe and want him to rule. We want the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Thursday night prayer meeting this week, we're just declaring the lordship of Jesus Christ over the valley. 
Suicide, you have to go in Jesus' name. Jesus, rule in the valley. This is what prayer does. If by my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We actually broker through our faith, through our prayers, through our hearts, the reality of his world into our world. Somebody say, wow, I get to do that. Seek ye first the kingdom. 1 Timothy has a warning just to keep us in the right direction. Chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. But those who want to get rich, get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Now let's stop and look at that real quick. I just want to make sure you can see it because I didn't see it when I was 21 years old. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Does it? Does it? It says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's when my affections are on what I can get, not what I can give. As a people, I believe the Lord wants us to pursue a growing in our wealth, but not pursuing wealth, but in our influence through wealth. But as soon as it shifts and it becomes about me, it becomes a snare. And so this is why that warning is there. How many of you know you can be poor and have a love for money and be rich and have a love for money? It doesn't matter if you have a lot or you have a little. You can make money your God. How many wish, how many, goes, how many in life you're going along the road and you see a need and you've given everything you can and the need's not met yet and you go, man, I wish somebody rich, this is Bill John said this the other day, man, I wish somebody rich would bless that person or bless that ministry. How many of you ever said that? Man, I wish somebody would come along and meet that need. Somebody's got money. Let's just become that people. We support Craig and Sheila Mosley, who missionaries monthly and... Uh, and they still need more support. And I've been praying, Lord, open up new avenues of revenue for Brenda and I that we can give more to Craig and Sheila because they need more support. How about, how about if that became our prayer? Not, Lord, I need money to go on another vacation. Lord, I need money for a brand new house or a brand new car or a brand new boat or a brand new airplane or a brand new, you name it. What if we said, Lord, I need resources to advance the kingdom of God, to support missionaries. That's what I want. That's what I'm going after. Matthew six nineteen through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Outrageous faith is eternity focused. Put that up there. Outrageous faith is eternity focused. Yesterday I went to a memorial uh, of a friend of mine that passed away, had a heart attack. Stan Wick, uh, brother of Scott Wick, who attends our, our uh, church, part of our family here. And, uh, and, and Scott, I mean Stan, uh, I've known Stan since actually I was 16. He was 18, I was 16, when we met first time, we played basketball together at Palmer High. And, uh, and Stan knew the Lord and loved the Lord, and he was a very generous person, very generous. 
And something's happening with Stan right now, and I'm not sure the timing of it, but it's called the judgment seat of Christ that each one of you will have. If you believe in Jesus, you will stand before the Lord, and he will measure your life. And he will measure your life not to penalize you, but to praise you. That's a good revelation right there. If you know Jesus, he's not going to measure your life to penalize you. He's going to measure your life to praise you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 5, it says, Do not keep on passing judgment. How many of you know it's not a good plan for the church to step into judgment? It says, Do not go on passing judgment, but wait until the day of the Lord. And he will bring those things which are hidden out into the light. And each man's praise will come to him from God. I, I want you to know that the Lord is measuring your life. You can't please God apart by, by, than faith. You walk in faith. You make decisions on faith. And God measures that. Oh, that's something in faith. Something in duty or sense of obligation will have no eternal value. Or fear of punishment will have no eternal value. Only those things done out of love will actually, and faith will actually be in that bank account in heaven for you. And then your eternity, your experience in eternity, will be somewhat impacted by how you do life now. This is called the judgment seat of Christ. When he hands out rewards to, bro- to brothers and sisters, there's, there's one place in the Bible in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, That one will be delivered by fire. But he will be delivered because his faith in Jesus Christ. But when he gets to heaven, there will be no eternal rewards. There will just be salvation. I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea. All I know is that when you walk in faith, when you give in faith, when you have eternity in mind, it it builds a bank account of, of blessings in heaven. Outrageous faith is eternity minded people. And, and the interest up there I, is out of this world. It's the best interest you could ever get. Rem, remember this, you can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says this. Are you guys doing okay? Now, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound, everybody say abound, to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance, somebody say abundance, for every good deed. One of the things that I grabbed a hold of that Steve said I loved, he said, the fruit of faith is cheerfulness. The fruit of faith is cheerfulness. I love it, the atmosphere that Bill has created his church. When they say, let's take an offering, everybody hollers, yeah! Why is that? Because they are investing with their money, something that's going to be last forever. I love it how Bill, and you've heard me say it, but Bill says, the privilege I have is to take my $20 bill, my $100 bill, and it's, this $100 bill has been used for bad things sometimes, 
or uh, insignificant things. And I get to be the general of these $100 haulers. I get to declare the kingdom of God advances and that I destroyed the works of the devil. Lord, take this money and do that now in Jesus' name. Faith, the fruit of faith, is cheerfulness. Giving out of obligation won't be measured in heaven. And the truth is, I, I'm going to end on, on actually giving vision for what we're doing at Northgate, but I am going to just quickly talk about the tithe because there's been a lot of teaching. In fact, I Googled and listened to a lot of people who says, Jesus is telling you to t- stop tithing. Tithing is not in the new covenant. Tithing is in the old covenant. And so I listened to some of those teachings I went through because to be honest with you, I'll just be transparent, I want to be right with what I say. And I want to say what's true from the Word of God. And so I'm looking at other opinions and, and that. And I'm looking at what they're saying, why they're saying what they're saying. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and so, um, but what I want to say is this. Mature Christians don't think in terms of minimal giving. They are thinking about advancing the kingdom and laying up a treasure in heaven. They're not trying to figure out what's the least amount I can give and be right with God. How many of you know that's not cheerful, faithful giving? So tithe, 10%, first fruits. Is it, is it biblical? Um, I can show you in the Old Testament, of course. Actually, if you study it out in Leviticus, there was the, the Israelites would give a 10% tithe to the storehouse so the Levitical priests could take care of the house of God and have food to eat. And then every three years, they were to give another 10%. And that was for the strangers and the aliens and the widows and the orphans. That, so you could make a case that actually God was asking for 20%. Then they had the alms, which was another 3% for the poor. So you could make a case easily when God was telling Israelites what to give. You could easily make a case that he was asking for 23% in the Old Covenant. Um, and there's something else you've got to understand. In the Old Covenant, Jesus says, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. On this side of the cross, he says, you should not look at a woman with lust or else you have committed adultery. On this side of the cross, he says, you've heard it say that you shall not murder. On this side of the cross, you guys, I mean, you guys have been getting mixed up. This is the Old Covenant. That's the New Covenant. On this side of the cross, he says, if you say raka or somebody's a fool, it's as though you murdered them. What's the thing? With the Holy Spirit in us, there's so much more that's possible. The standards actually of the kingdom are greater than the standards of the law. We are not under the law. So we don't give 10% because we're under the law and we, if we don't, we're sinning. Are you guys with me? But the standard of 10%, I do believe, is a beginning standard. And here's one of the reasons why. is because 10% was started before the law was ever given to Moses. Actually, Abraham met Melchizedek, which was a precursor of Jesus Christ. And when he met him, and it was after Melchizedek helped him have victories, he brought 10% to Melchizedek as an honoring, as an offering. And his grandson, Jacob, I want to look at this real quick. His grandson, Jacob, this is before the law. Jacob has this encounter with the Lord at Bethel. And, and it's one of these encounters where he goes to sleep and all of a sudden angels are ascending and descending, ascending and descending. And he has this wrestling match with an angel and he wakes up 
And he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Genesis 28, 22. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, Lord, I will surely give you a tenth. I believe the 10% is a, belie- is a starting place for the believer. And you don't give it because you've got to try to make God happy. You give it because it's extending his blessing into your life. He will express blessing because you're stepping into a promise, not a rule. Somebody say yes. All that to get to really to this place, all right? I'm going to talk a little bit just um, from my heart here. <clears throat> um, he wants Northgate, he wants you and I to have outrageous faith. He wants us to be prosperous for a purpose. And what is his purpose? Well, he's got a lot of purpose, but, you know, you can summarize it like this. We're called to disciple the nations of the earth, make disciples of all nations. We're called to influence and rule with the kingdom of God in mind, that the goodness of God the Father is being released to our people. And the way we live our lives, the way we disciple people, they step into the goodness of God and all that God plans for their lives. One of the things that God captured in my heart, or really got me about four years ago, three years ago, you've heard me say this a lot, but I believe that oftentimes the church makes people believe something before they make them feel like they belong. If you believe this way, then you can be part of our church family and you belong here. Make sure you agree with the doctrinal statement and then you belong at our house. I love what Bill Johnson, or Steve said, I had great doctrine but bad beliefs. I loved when he said that. Because you can have great doctrine, boom, 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 and still believe wrong about God, about you, and about others. And what the Lord captured in my heart is when Jesus discipled his, his disciples, he called them to follow him before they knew what to believe. He called them to be with him. By following him, that means travel with me, have dinner with me, sleep where I sleep, belong with me, and you, I will, you will see what I believe and give an opportunity to believe like me. But he made them feel part of the family before they believed what he believed. Are, are you hearing me? And the church often, we exclude others that believe differently than us. I, I had the privilege of stepping into our superintendent's office this last week. And she has, on her side, she has um, candy and she tells Brenda whenever the grandkids come to the office, she says, Brenda, send the grandkids down, your grandkids down, who are students in her schools, and I'm going to give them candy. And so I was sitting with her this week, last week, and, uh, and I said, I bet you we want to give them candy for two reasons. She said, what are you, why? Why do you think that? I said, because you want them to feel valued. She said, yep. And you want them to feel comfortable around you. She said, yep. What kind of God do you replicate? Do they have to believe like you before they feel valued? Do they have to believe like us before they feel comfortable around us? And so that, that idea is like really grabbed me. And then we do the shoe giveaway. And I um, was so, so grateful 
for this church and the way you guys love. But we made people feel valuable, and we gave them shoes, and we gave them the gospel tract in the shoes, but we didn't, we didn't preach a gospel message. Um, we were the gospel message. I don't have any problem with preaching the gospel message. I just want people in our community to know that we love them, even if they don't believe like we believe. And, and so it's, it's in this journey that last year when we were in that process saying, God, we have a, a building project that is 4.8. We have 1.6. We have pledged this much money. We're still halfway there. And, and the Lord just starts talking to me over and over and over again. Dennis, build with the community in mind. It's about the community. And I heard community center, and so I'm thinking, do we build a building that's a community center? And I've come to the conclusion that the whole 60 acres is supposed to be a community center. I believe that property, that 60 acres, should be developed in such a way that people come to the Northgate property, not necessarily because they're coming to church, although we will have that opportunity too. But because of the third services that are on that property, bring people there as a community center. And people, because we declare the kingdom of God, because we have the Father's heart, we establish the atmosphere of belonging. All over the 60 acres, when Shara was here and she's prophesying, she says, I don't know what it is about that property. I don't know what it is about that, that building, but I see businesses coming. I see you breaking off the poverty mindset of the valley in Alaska. For that to happen, we have to believe different, pray different, and give different. There's going to have to be a lot of business then. The capture, get caught up with this vision of bringing goodness to the valley. Matthew Health Foundation, one of the things that that when... uh, Steve was here. Oh, no. Another thing she said is, I see, I think it's her or Steve, wasn't one of them. I see uh, government officials excited about what's happening on that property. I meet with school district officials this week to talk about what's going to happen on that property. She said, I see government officials getting excited about what's going to happen on that property. <clears throat> You have to see it to believe it. Is that true? Not true. You have to believe it to see it. You have to believe it to see it. And you have to pray by faith and give by faith. Steve Backlund, as he was thinking about it, and he was so excited watching the building project start, he said... uh, and he, if you were here, you heard him say at first hour, he said, um, man, I was at a campus. I was at this huge campus in Africa. And this guy had a dream 100 years ago, born again, radically saved. He had a dream that this, this property would be developed for the glory of God. And I'm there 100 years later, and there's a college on it, there's schools on it, there's this on it, there's that on it, there's this on it. He said, that's what's going to happen on your property at Northgate. And see, the prophets are speaking Will their words benefit our lives? It's only if you attach faith to them. Only if you attach faith to them. A lot of prophetic words are given, but there's no faith attached, so it does not benefit anybody. Are you hearing me? Say outrageous faith. All right, I want to show you some pictures real quick. And I don't have a pointer, so... All right, this is a picture of the 60 acres. If you uh, see up in the right-hand corner, that's the corner of Tate... And Selden, 
Those 60 acres are paid for because a lot of people in this room and those who have gone before us had outrageous faith, and they gave in faith. And so we have 60 acres of prime property, all of it's developable, all of it's prime usable property, paid for. In the corner we have facilities, we have equipping center, that's paid for. And so we have this project, go to the next page, we have this project started on, go to the next one, right there. That's the project. Now, I, I, if I have my pointer, try to remember where the 60 acres are. Can you see that that little corner is about 25% at most of our whole property? What we are developing right now is 25% at most. If you see below the buildings in the up corner, that's the field where we put the tent and, and have our summer activities on and the shoe giveaway. And so you can see how much more amazing property we have that God has in mind to develop. Go ahead, go to the next one. This is the current project that we're going to go out there tonight at 5 o'clock and uh, make a declaration and provision over. And that's been adjusted. We used the same plans that the building team put together, and we took it to builders and, and the subcontractors, and we said, can you re-engineer this so that it's not a sanctuary? If you, if you go to the original, you're going to see a place for baptisms and stuff like that, which is a great plan. But the Lord spoke to us, spoke to me, and said, build it with a community of mind. We can still build a stage, every, put a stage up every Sunday or have a stage there for for a season, but we also can take the stage down that it can be used for community services. We talked to the school district and Massu Health Foundation. What are some of the greatest needs in the valley? And they said that some of the greatest needs of the valley is to minister to children who are at risk. Our children is our valley is filled with children who are at risk. How do we do that? One of the greatest ways you can do that is after school programs. What do you need? What do we need for after school programs? Well, you need a, a a multi-purpose room, and you need some classrooms. If you have that, then you can be a place. I talked to Jason this week, the principal of this, of this school, and said, Jason, we want to start talking about after-school programs with you. He said, awesome, let's have a conversation. But we're probably going to start talking about doing it here before the building is finished because he needs help now. So anyway, those are all things in progress, and I, wanted, I just want to show you. I'm going to give you some numbers real quick just to remind you, because I need your prayers, and I need your faith, and I need your giving. We, this project is going to cost us about $2.75 million uh, to finish this project. Um, we, have, we have about $1.7, getting closer to $1.8. Some people are contributing to the building fund right now. We have 1.8, but we still need a, a significant amount of money. We need people at Northgate and outside of Northgate to sell buildings to give to the, this building. I'm putting it in the atmosphere. We need people at Northgate and outside of Northgate to, to see the future of what God wants to do and actually invest in faith. Let's go to the next picture real quick. So this is the next phase. This is the educational phase. You can see in front of the first phase, the foyer. We had to cut the foyer off, shorten it up because of the cost. That foyer is what makes that building feel like a home. We don't have that in these plans right now because we're starting with a plan of 2.75. The Lord told me to develop little by little. So I'm believing, I'm believing 
that before we're done with that phase one, we will have the money to come in to be able to add the foyer. Say, I'm believing. Okay, and then the educational wing. One of the things that is needed in this um, valley is more preschool. And Courtney has a really uh, amazing preschool. And uh, Matthew Health Foundation say, man, we're excited about the preschool. Tell us about that. And so the Lord is building partnerships with us. All things are possible for those who believe. I need us to have a, a, a greater measure of faith in the room. Come on. All things are possible for those who believe. Okay, so we're believing um, that we're not going to stop construction. We have enough money in the bank right now to take us through January, which will close up the first stage and the, and the investment will be safe. But if we stop, it costs us to restart. The longer, longer it stays stopped, the more it costs us. And so I'm inviting you to pray. Lord, we don't want to stop construction in January. We want to keep it going. Start bringing the finances in. Lord. Bring the finances. Where are the finances coming from? The Lord, as he speaks to his people. All right, next page. This is from the outside when the... When the uh, when the uh, lobby is on. That's what it'll look like. Next page. This is when we add the cafeteria and the coffee shop and the playroom. Um, I'm, I'm running out of time. Where's the worship team? You guys here? Why don't you come up here? We're going to finish with a song. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm excited about this phase because in the back of this phase is going to be a children's playroom. You know like McDonald's has a playroom? Anybody taking their kids to McDonald's or their grandkids? <laughs> well, um, I, I saw a playroom that's like McDonald's playroom on steroids. And it's just like beautiful playroom and clean. And, um, and there's, it was of a church in Australia. David McDonald showed it to me. And they had a, a coffee shop connected to it. So people are sitting, moms are sitting there having coffee and their children are right there in a safe place burning off energy. Come on now. In these winter months, come on now, moms. I know young moms go, yeah. I see that on that phase over there. The, co- the, the kitchen's in the middle. The playroom's on the back. The place for us to foyer and have coffee shop is in the front with a drive through on the side. That's all part of the original plans. All right, why don't we stand? I just want to say this real quick. A lot of us in this room needs breakthrough. We need breakthrough over our own finances. I'm going to share you one of the keys to breakthrough over your own finances. It gets your vision beyond your finances. Get your vision beyond your finances. Look out there. And, you know, it's like the, the light shines brighter at home that shines the farthest away. And in other words, if you're thinking Africa this morning... And you're saying, Jesus, get, Alaska, or get Africa? Then it means in your home, if you have a heart to see Africa get God for Jesus, how many know you're going to have a heart to see your home get for Jesus? The, sh- the light shines brighter the farthest it looks. Finances are, are part of the victory of the kingdom. When we think beyond our financial situation, the Lord says, oh, you have my heart. I can steward my finances through you. Watch you see your finances come to alignment when you get your vision aligned with his vision. Father, we want to come before you this morning and we ask that you would build outrageous faith in this house, in in my life, 
in our lives, Lord. We want to see this valley come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We want to see every heart healed. We want to see every family made whole. We want to see the... Am I the only one praying? Is there any amens? I'm going to share another principle of the kingdom of weight. Lord, we want you to be known in Alaska. And so, Father, release faith this morning into our lives. In Jesus' name. Let's finish with this song. Go ahead. For I am standing on... Yeah. Yeah, 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 God. I'm so thankful that loving believers don't live by rules, but by promises. So, Lord, release us into the promises of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, have an amazing day. If you need breakthrough in prayer, our team here sees breakthroughs every week, so they'll be here to pray for you. Otherwise, be blessed. We'll be back out on our property at 5 o'clock. It's not going to be a long time, but uh, it's going to be a meaningful time. So see you at 5.